Hello, 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 and welcome to Salon Stories, the podcast that dives a little deeper into the salon industry and the people behind it. Uh, I'm your host, Josh Reist, and with me usually would be Kelly. She's on a holly bobs at the moment, so uh, hopefully she's uh, having, a, having a nicer getaway. But uh, in the meantime, I have with me um, a very special guest as part of our sort of business sort of um, period. We're talking to Lorenzo Colangelo, who is the managing director let me get this right. Of is it the galley hairdressing? The gallery. The gallery. So, so <laughs> I have my glasses on as well. There's no excuse. Great start. It was the last time I looked anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You're not rebranded or anything. No, 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 not as far as I'm aware. <laughs> Thank you very much for uh, taking a, a chunk out of your day to, to speak to us. Really appreciate it. No um, problem. I guess sort of the point of today, we, we just sort of, uh, we want to take our listeners through sort of like the importance of uh, frequent training, uh, which uh, it sounds like has been something that's been quite important to you sort of through your career and basically like a day in the life of a, a salon owner. Um, mm. So if we just sort of like start at the very basics, do you want to give uh, give our listeners sort of a bit of a background about who you are and what you do? Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased to be here. And uh, I think that the podcast is a great idea. So uh, thank you for inviting me. Um, yeah, my name is Lorenzo Colangelo, and I'm the managing director of as far as I'm aware, the gallery. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and um, but basically, I mean, our story is quite a quite a an intricate one, quite a long one, really. My dad started our business back in 1980. Okay. Um, the day it was called uh, Barnet Fair, so uh, um, a bit of a bit of Cockney rhyming slang for hair. So he. Wow. Um, he started that after a long career. He travelled over from Italy in 1957, worked in private houses as a kind of valet stroke grooming kind of guy for um, for public houses, uh, for private houses, sorry, Lord Astor um, and um, various different kind of like titled people where he kind of worked and, and was butling and doing all of that sort of stuff and eventually decided to open up this salon. And uh, he he did it. Um, like I say, in 1980, and uh, and it was a lovely little salon. It was very old-fashioned, very very warm, very loving, and all of that. And I kind of grew up in that environment. So um, from then, I kind of saw quite a lot of what was going on in in hairdressing um, and what he offered in terms of customer service. And uh, um, and when I started training and decided to take a career up in hairdressing, I kind of. Uh, um, saw all of that and thought, well, I went up to London, saw a very different type of salon and a very different approach to hairdressing, mm. um, a very business-orientated way of working. Um, and and I didn't like it particularly. I thought it was, wasn't particularly customer-focused. I thought it was all about profit. Right. Um, whereas my dad's salon was very much about caring for customers, making sure that, you know, they were well looked after and that they were seen to properly. So... I thought that there was a really great marriage there between the business side, um, the profit side, and mm-hmm. that great customer service. So um, I set on my journey and taken over the salon and really tried to bring together a balance between passion and profit, really. Um, and that's where where it all started. I took over in 1990, and uh, and the salon's grown quite considerably. We now have a, a team of, of close to 30 um, people. How many was there, if you don't mind me asking, when your dad started? Was it just him? When my, when my dad started, there was three. Um, there were three people then. Um, and um, and after that, he um, he 
um, when I took over, I started actually on my own. I had a very small salon above um, above my dad's salon, um, and I started seeing customers on um, who were coming through. And I kind of did this space up a little bit. I'm actually in the salon I started in now. It's now my office. Oh right. Um, yeah, so I kind of use it as my office, and it's, it brings back a lot of memories, actually. But yeah. he worked downstairs. I worked upstairs, um, and, and gradually I took over, but very much started on my own. And then I mm. um, took over from him um, and introduced various different people into the, into the business. Um, and, and back then I was kind of very, very much involved with or trying to take – I would take anyone on. Do you know what I mean? I was kind of just thankful to having staff. And for having staff, um, and you know, I'd let people come, come and go, and and be quite. I was very flexible, but not again, almost disappearing from the business element of what I started, um, and being a bit of a slave to my own business, and that wasn't so good. Um, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners will relate to that because you know, if you're the business owner and you're the hardest working stylist in the salon, mm-hmm. um, you're going to be not very happy for long no so, i can uh, imagine that would uh, grate on you quite quickly indeed yeah it was it was quite a it's quite a difficult one and um so i kind of took people who were self-employed um and um and i didn't have a very harmonious team i don't think back in the early days um so i kind i kind of set about my journey i, I brought my cousin on board who's an incredible educator uh, mario mm. His name is, and he does a lot of education for L'Oreal uh, as a guest artist. Um, he worked as a, an ID artist, then he was a um, he worked in um, he went moved up the ranks through the L'Oreal education program, and is now, like I say, a guest artist for them. Mm. Uh, he set together a, a great education program. Um, so he focused on education, um, and I was focusing on business. And we actually transferred everyone from self-employed to employed, which made me kind of gather back a little bit of control um, and take back some control. And, and we lost a lot of staff as a result of that, um, right. which was very scary, uh, I have to say. Um, again, a lot of people will relate to this, that they've probably got people in their team that are high earners, um, but kind of a little bit difficult to work with. So mm-hmm. um, I, I kind of set about and made some very difficult decisions to really try and get together a, a team that I felt was cohesive, um, and all pulling in the same direction as opposed to in their own directions. Uh, and that was really, really um, pivotal, I think, for the success of the salon. Um, and where we are now is, I think, very much down to those difficult decisions we make. Yeah. Do you, is, is, is that having that team vibe still very important to you? Do you still go downstairs to the, the salon and think, I've got a great team of people here working oh, with absolutely. me? I mean, I, my, my days in the office are boring in comparison i mean i'm first and foremost a hairdresser right, right. So I, I kind of I, I thrive off that atmosphere and the buzz of the salon and i'm, I'm still working in there i'm mean, currently coming back from obviously the the covid situation um mm-hmm. I'm, I'm working four days in the salon where i'd normally only be doing two um, but those are the best days for me when you're working together you you there's banter there's great great vibe with customers especially at the moment it's, it's incredible how um how things are how things are panning out um and the team yeah. are something else i have to say um and and you know we obviously have to pat ourselves on the back for those kind of moments but but at the same time you know the the, the staff are the ones that, that that make the magic happen really 
yeah. um, they keep that vibe. And, and what I'm proud of is really still we've got that very much that <clears throat> original essence of what my dad set up. Um, you know that kind of kind of very giving um, kind of service, but at the same time, there's a lot of business behind that. And you know um, how we recommend stuff to sell to customers. Excuse the motorbike. Um, uh, the uh, the yeah, the, there's a lot of service and there's a lot of really good um, business behind it. You know, making strong recommendations, giving great advice, um, all from an educational background, and and that's what that's what I think is where the magic is for our salon. Fantastic. I mean, do, so you say like your best days are in the salon yourself working. Would you say that the business stuff is is sort of like the the necessary? stuff you have to grind through to make make the business the one you want it to be yeah i mean you know i think you know in hairdressing nowadays you've got you've got very strong business owners um who perhaps don't come from a from a hairdressing background and, mm. and that can work really well from a from an accounting perspective um but that's what i had back in the day in london they, they haven't got necessarily the same uh, and I'm speaking generally here. I'm sure there's some incredible salon owners as well. But um, I think when you're when you're in the thick of it and you understand totally where your where your staff are coming from, if there are issues with regards to customers, with regards to timings, um, stock levels, and all of that, th- these are the things that you you kind of really have to understand. So much as you're trying to keep tight a tight rein on the books from a business perspective. You, you, you don't want to stunt the, the creativity within the salon. Um, so I kind of feel as though my balance is is pretty good because I have a strong empathy with what's going on downstairs. But mm. also I've learned that, you know, unless, you're, unless you have a strong business model, you, you're not going to survive for long without that. And, that, and that's something that, um, you know, like I say, it's a necessary evil. But at the same time, you don't want to stunt creativity because that's really what the, you know, that's the, um, the energy and really the, the lifeblood of, of hairdressing is creativity. Mm. It's part of the, that's the bit that makes it an art form, I guess, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and if you're getting that with, if you're getting an art form that's being told, no, you can't have so much stock or if you can't, you haven't got the right paint. So if you haven't got the right play, <laughs> you do know what I mean? Or you haven't got enough yeah. of it, it's, it becomes a little bit inhibiting and you can't, you know. So I'm, I, you know, I think, a collaboration with a really good supplier is incredibly important. I mean, our, our relationship with L'Oreal um, has been phenomenal and they've been incredibly supportive right throughout my journey. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, forming the, that collaboration in terms of, you know, how we use stock, how we're educated on what we're using and um, and outside the salon as well. They, they, you know, we're part of the portfolio group, which is kind of their um, kind of like a small group of salons kind of, their, their main accounts effectively and we're drawn on for educational purposes and we're taken away um, to various different locations to learn outside the industry as well so what, how we look outside the industry for inspiration and creativity and motivation is equally as important so they're broadening our horizons as a big corporate and that's what you want from your product companies you want them mm. to take you on their journey as much as you taking them on yours yeah uh, looking through, um, sort of uh, doing a little bit of stalking, basically, sort of before okay. I had the opportunity to <laughs> to uh, speak to you. Am I right in thinking you've won like is it Salon of the Year three years in a row? Yeah, 
Yeah, we, that, we were on 2014, 2015, and 2016. Yeah. Um, it, and then, sorry. No, I'm just saying, like, three years in itself is impressive, but on the trot is just phenomenal. Like, how, how, I, I mean, guess what our listeners want to know is how the hell did you get there? Like, what, what um, made you the winner? Ooh, I, do, do you know what? I, I, when, when they read your name out um, mm. as the winner, I mean, we decided to enter the, um, the awards based on the fact that we'd gone on this journey, as I was just explaining to you, where we'd made some really difficult decisions. Our, our turnover turned, you know, was, was become was going up year on year quite considerably off the back of the decisions I've made. So, from a directorial perspective, I think that we, you know, I had a very strong vision, um, and for the salon, and and equally, my cousin Mario, and my front of house manager, and now salon manager Becky, were we, we just had this very good team, um, and. I set out the vision for winning it, or wanting to enter it at least. Um, and we were always told what a phenomenal salon we had. Right? Mm. And, and, you know, much as it, all of everyone's got clients that tell them and got, you know, their representatives from, from or salon account managers from various product companies tell them what a great salon they had. But, you know, I kind of put myself out there and thought, well, let, let's just test that and see what, let's see what, kind of salon we have compared to others so that's where I decided to enter um, and when we won it it was an incredible emotion from our team I mean literally the the our tables because we had two tables there. we took the whole team along to the awards mm. and we, knowing that we were finalists and it erupted right so absolutely erupted when our names were announced and the funniest moment was when Everything drifted down. We realised that we were the only tables partying. We thought the whole team <laughs> waiting with us, and of course they're not. You know, they're waiting for their awards to happen, and and rightfully so. But literally, we were just rocking around, and, and we got this award, and, and and it made me so proud to be able to receive it and give it mm. to my dad. And that was the vision: was well, we gave the award to my dad because he started the journey. You know, he's now eighty three, still cutting hair. Although I haven't got him in the salon at the moment post COVID. Um, but you know it was it was amazing and, and, and we decided to do it and then the following year our figures were up our education had improved various different things had happened that allowed us to put in another entry and 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 again we we, we won it and we weren't expecting to because no one had really won it I don't think two years on the trot um, mm. and the following year the same we went up we 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 hit uh, a figure of turnover that only, we could only dream of, you know, I mean, I'd be open with that. We hit a million pounds turnover in the third year as a salon, oh, yeah. which was going from a one man, if you think of it, going from a one man band where I was doing 350 pounds a week at the start to mm. a million pounds turnover in a year. Um, I, I kind of felt, well, why not enter it a third year running? Um, and I entered that along with business director of the year as well. Um, and um, in fact, no, sorry, 20, 2015 and 2016, we entered business director, but I was picked at the post on both of the director of the years by phenomenal salon directors who, who mm. I'm not ashamed to have come a close, you know, runner up to. Um, but, you know, it was, it was amazing. And, um, you know, winning it three years, and, and of course we get into the Hall of Fame with that, and we got that, presented with that award in 2017. 
um, which really now means that we can't perhaps enter it again because there's just no value in entering it a fourth time. Uh, you know, I don't know quite what we'd, what we'd get from that. But uh, You're not interested in reclaiming your crown? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Um, you know, a director of the year for sure and, and, um, uh, or possibly directors in the future because, you know, the way that I see the salon going isn't just now me, it's now my team and, and, and certainly people close to me who are going to probably have to carry this forward from me. So, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, you know, a roadmap that I've got that I really want to stick to and really kind of, you know, embrace all of the good and hard work of everyone in the team to try and let them carry this forward for me, you know? Um, yeah. uh, and that's, that's the vision. So who's to say that there's not going to be future awards as well. Um, you know, I kind of feel like I've brought the salon to a point, um, but I feel that they're the ones that are going to push it on to the next level. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an exciting time for us and, uh, an exciting time for the team for sure. So this is the part of the show where I'm supposed to read something and make it sound super off the cuff, um, but A, I'm not good at that, and B, I'll be honest, I lost the script. So instead, how about I just say, go to hairdressingsupplieslincoln.com, on checkout, use the code POD5 and you'll get 5% off your entire order. Yeah? Cool. Back to the show. Do you think it's something you can see yourself ever stepping away from and sort of letting it be its own thing? Or do you think you'll always, as long as you're, you have your career, you think you'll always have this uh, salon for yourself? It's a really difficult question. And I'm, and I'm trying to teach myself that I don't need to be involved um, as much right. as I am. Um, the people around me are more than capable of running the salon. In fact, they do it on a day-to-day basis anyway. So, mm. uh, yeah, I do see them the, as things progress. I mean, I've got a five-year plan um, from here to, you know, I'm currently 50 um, and I see myself probably out of the business by the time I'm 55. Um, I'd hope to like to think I'd still have a, a part to play in it and still some involvement for sure. But I do think that, you know, the guys involved at the moment uh, have, have the energy and the desire and the push and the drive to really push things forward. Um, not that I haven't, but I think that that point of ownership is really my exit. What's what's next for you after the, after your exit? Then do you think you'll just go back to just hairdressing for yourself, or have you got something completely different in mind? Yeah, I I, I kind of think that you know I, I, I'm a good hairdresser. I'm not. I'm, I don't by any means think I'm the best hairdresser. Um, but I you know I, I enjoy seeing clients and I enjoy kind of like really involving myself in technical haircuts and I just love that because that's really what started all of this. So mm. um, I, and I you know, I thrive off that. So I, I always think I'll probably keep my hand in for sure. Um, but I kind of have, I do have a, a, a real desire to help others a little bit and um, possibly taking more consultancy roles in, in helping people, certainly small salons um, with a bit of vision who want to go from a one man band to a 20 strong salon of the year team. I think I could, yeah. probably, I think I could probably help them. So, so is this uh, consultancy thing, a new thing for you, a new stage? Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, it's not something that I've, uh, I mean, I've uh, kind of mentored various different people in various different businesses, actually, not just in hairdressing. Um, okay. And I enjoy that. I want, I like seeing people succeed and, and I like seeing people um, kind of realize their own um, kind of dreams and, and stuff. So, you know, for me, that that's a, that's a really big thing. Um, it's just obviously 
you know, how to turn that into a, a mini or a smaller business. Um, because normally the people who need the help don't have the money to, to, to pay for that. So, yep. you know, I'm busy working on a, on an idea to, to try and help salons for minimal cost to them to try and help to, to, for them to, to achieve their dreams. And, uh, you know, that would be a lovely, lovely way to complete the circle for me, I think, to, to get to an end point where you've started, I started, and I started with a lot of help from my parents as well, you know, so yeah. Can't deny that I had that start, um, but you know the salon's now four times the size that it was, um, and in terms of actual space, um, I've bought various different blocks. So we own the entire site of the salon, including flats above and things. So you know I've grown it to a point, but you know the one thing that eluded me was multi-site. So I never went out to a set to buy a second salon elsewhere. Right. I just grew the one salon that we had. Um, and, and I think that they're two very different things. So, you know, my remit is within one salon, I would think. I, I don't know whether I'd be able to advise people how to, to buy a second salon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know that we've explored it. We did SWOT analysis on, on how to, whether we should, whether we shouldn't. And I always came back down to let's keep to one salon and do it really, really well. Um, yeah. You know, for me, if you think of the best restaurants in the in in the world, are always one-offs. Yeah, not, it's not a chain, is it? It's never and, a chain. Yeah. And, and and I and I think very much the same in hairdressing. That if you've got an owner on board in your salon, who's open, got a passion for hairdressing, got a passion for business, I think that you've got something that perhaps will will thrive and do really well. But some people need a little bit of help in road mapping. Like I say, I always go back to that in how to you know, form a plan for a year um, to be able to say, you know, quarter one, quarter two, quarter three, quarter four, what do you want to achieve in that time? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what sort of cash do you need? What sort of, um, you know, education do you need? What awards are you going to go to, go for? How how are you going to structure your year? And and being true to that roadmap. And if ideas and stuff come in and they don't fit with that plan, it's really important to just put those to one side and stick to the plan. Yeah. Yeah, that's my best advice anyway. Well, I mean, I I think it's probably good to take the advice from someone who's three (laughs) consecutive three time. I was going to say world champion. I've got my head in F1 mode for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, you'll take that title any day. Yeah, thanks very much. I wasn't aware of having it, but thank you. It's an honorary title now for you. There you go. Um, (laughs) I mean, obviously, we've talked through like the success you've had with the salon and um, it, it's it's clear to see even just from the awards, let alone the the amount of the staff that you've you've gone from, like you say, just yourself to like the thirty plus people. Yeah. Um, you're looking at potentially sort of letting it be its own entity and stepping away from it at some point, and it being a successful individual entity. Um, yeah. How crucial and important do you think, sort of coming up through that journey, uh, do you think that having not just like the odd bit of trade, but but frequent regular training was to that process? Uh, it, it, it's absolutely paramount and, and it's not just about education in hair cutting or, or um, technical, the technical side of hairdressing. It's education in how to, um, how to behave, how to mm-hmm. follow procedure, education and communication are absolutely key in all, in all, in all businesses, not just hairdressing. Yeah. Um, but I think being on top of your game is, um, and being the best you can be is something that, that you, you have to really 
really strive for, to be honest. I mean, um, but in terms of actual education, I mean, our, our current assistants, even through um, lockdown, were, were doing two sessions a week on Zoom with Mario, my educator, mm-hmm. um, doing two hours of, uh, sorry, four hours a week um, in two sessions of hairdressing. They were keeping on top of their training. They were keeping on top of their education. Um, all of our staff were engaged in videos for social media, um, you know, always posting on our WhatsApp group about, you know, any good videos to watch, any good training videos, any top tips, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, education isn't just about sitting down learning. It's about being aware and open to new ideas. And um, and I think that that's something that you kind of have to learn uh, as well, you know, learn how to be educated, learn how to... Yeah. Um, absorb new information and be open to 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 new new things um i think that's the key i think you hit the nail on the head there i think often it can be quite difficult i think just being open to a criticism and be sort of understanding like what different ways you can improve not only as a professional but as a person that bleeds into your professional life it's super important to 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 be open do you think like obviously because with today's I hate saying it, but like the new normal world. I'm so sick of saying that. But <laughs> do, you, do you think that's um, your staff and, and your your team being constantly training, constantly in that mindset of being open to improving? Do you think that's helped them sort of adapt to whatever sort of new um, processes that we've got to go through at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, there was no option. There was no other option. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, they, you know, if if we, if we want to survive in our industry in the current climate, we we you know there there was something that I kind of came up with, and it was called salon agility. I, I saw something called salon ability, which was a training program, and I actually read it and thought it said salon agility, and I thought, oh, what a brilliant title! And it actually, you know, probably mild dyslexia or something was creeping in, but it I thought salon agility was really great. How how are we agile in 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 our industry, and and how can we adapt quickly and be you know really agile um and be fluid in what we do and make this look like we've always done it like this Um, and and that was was key i mean with regards to um forming a strategy for reopening i mean we we were working on that literally oh i was working on it with with my key guys right from day one because I kind of knew what was going to happen in, in a way, you know, we knew that we weren't going to go back to what we had. So how could we make that and communicate it as early as we could? So people in their mindsets were already thinking about it. It wasn't like turn up for work on the 4th of July um, yeah. and expect how to work. You know, things need planning and communicating. And after a while, people people's mindsets change and become so much more... Um, you know, ready for for that initial change. You know, I, I, you know, no one would have predicted this five years ago. But you know, four months ago, we kind of knew that something was going to happen and something was going to be quite quite big mm. in how we came back to work. So there shouldn't have been any major surprises. Um, um, and and this is what I was trying to do: was be very proactive with my strategy and be very proactive with the team. Um, and and again, as expected they just absorbed all of that came up with great ideas themselves um and and really you know embraced everything that was happening and now if you look if you were to look at the way the salon's working it's like we've always worked like that yeah. it's incredible incredible 
but but being open and being agile um, in your business is 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 hugely hugely important. You know, we, we don't like change. Hairdressers don't like change on the whole. You know, they're not people that react well to it. And we take things personally as a as a an industry. You know, we make assumptions as an industry hugely, um, and I think that that inhibits a lot of how we 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 work. You know, it, it's not. For being so creative, they're not open to change, I don't think. And it's a, it's a slight switch of mindset to get people really switched on and excited about the new normal. Mm. You know, we're spending more time per customer. Um, we're charging more for per customer. Um, the service level is brilliant because we're spending that time and we're, um, we're doing more thorough um on t- on the phone, we're doing more thorough um, consultations on the phone, and then diverting that call to a Zoom call if necessary. So we're now using the online stuff to make uh, to do further consultations if people have maybe had an attempt at their own hair and so forth. And, and all of yeah. this, I don't see that changing back to the old way of you know. I see that as a as a great asset in our business that we're going to carry forward into uh, you know for for years to come because it's just a great great way to interact with your customers and make sure that they feel like they've been looked after really well. Mm. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's great. You know, and I think that again, if you can see past, you know, see the wood for the trees in some respects, you know, it, it's a great opportunity. So when, um, obviously we were speaking about COVID a little bit, it's a huge challenge for us all. Um, and I think has been, I think we're all going a bit up and down. I think it's quite normal. Yeah. Um, but I mean, COVID aside, before 2020, the year that we'll never ever speak of again, sort of happens. Yeah. <laughs> like, what would you say there's been like a particular, like, what was the greatest challenge in your career as a, as a salon oh, owner? Um, gosh, what are the challenges did I have? I, th- I think, I think the main, I think the main challenge for me is, is to keep motivation up in the, in the team. I think, right. Um, you know, g- keeping a good balance in in any team is really is really hard. And I, and I and I think if anyone's upset or not happy or something, I, I kind of feel that it can upset the whole balance. So I think kind of man managing is is really tough, but very necessary. Um, and you know, bigging people up and, and really giving them a lot of praise and and getting them motivated is one thing, um, but that's an easy part of it. I think reprimanding and pulling them up and being a slightly harsher and, and giving harsh truths is the hard bit. Uh, and yeah. I think that for me is, you know, the downside of man management is when you have to be a, t- a tough a, a tough boss. And, and, you know, no one likes to be tough um, and, and hard you like to give praise and to win awards and congratulate everyone but to actually tell someone that they're doing something wrong or not in the way that you want is really really hard um, yeah it's so, not a comfortable that, conversation that, that that's the toughest part for me um and for, fortunately for me i don't have to do it very often but when i do i don't i don't relish in it um but i do look at it as an opportunity for change and and i try and sell that to them you know Yesterday was yesterday. Let's look forward and 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 let's try and be the best that we can be moving forward. Um, because I don't believe that you've been the best you can be, um, and, and that, that's quite a 
that's quite a difficult conversation, but but in in many cases very necessary. Yeah, I think uh, it's a conversation. You, uh, well, if you're anything like me anyway, uh, it's a conversation you find yourself having with yourself on a daily basis. And yeah. you know how much how it makes you feel when you question yourself. Like, I know I haven't put 100% in and you do feel a little bit. Bleh. So I can't, I can't imagine. Yeah, I, I'm quite grateful that I'm very rarely responsible <laughs> for anyone other than myself. Uh, because I consider myself quite lucky there. Um, so I've got a massive amount of respect for, for anybody that can... Um, can do because it's never the all the good stuff you always have to like you say do the uh, the pulling up as well yeah but when um, I, with, with the with the team just to just to go on that mm-hmm. i mean I, I mean my my favorite book is a book by a guy called don miguel ruiz and it's uh, and it's called the four agreements um and in that book and i, I won't hark on about it too much but uh, the the four agreements are one be impeccable with your word two don't take things personally Three, never make assumptions. Um, and four, be the best you can be. So if you're true mm. to all of those, I think that you're going to be okay. So if you're going to be impeccable, bearing in mind that people have caused wars, families have been broken just through the spoken word, I think that you know how we say things and what we say have a massive ripple effect in society, but certainly on a one-to-one. You can break someone with the, the spoken word. So be impeccable with that. Equally, as like I was saying earlier, you know, we, we take things personally as hairdressers. If someone's got a dodgy haircut or someone's been, oh, well, it was their fault or, you know, I never did that or this, that, yeah. the other. Just put that to one side. Don't take things personally. Be in the moment and rectify and do the best that you can. Um, and the assumptions thing as well. We're always assuming left, right and centre that someone won't want to pay 500 quid for their hair. You know, um, they won't want to take retail home with them. We're, they're, they're not going to turn up for their appointment. They will turn up early, blah, blah, blah. Assumptions mm. are made. And I think that that's just, it's just energy that doesn't need to be spent, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. Um, and obviously being the best you can be is probably encapsulating all of those previous three things, you know, impeccable with your word, don't make assumptions and don't take things personally. And and so that's what I also try and instill into my team. They're bored with it now. They they they, <laughs> they, they can recite it left, right, and centre. Oh, them. he's going off on the mantra again. Exactly. Right. But you know, I don't care. You know, I don't care. It I, clearly I, works for you. Well, I hope so. I hope so. They probably tell you different, but yeah, <laughs> they say that from a highly successful London salon, though. So, well, you know, no <laughs> <laughs> so have you got like um, any tidbits or? If you had to maybe distill your advice, because obviously we could talk forever about sort of yeah. how people starting a business or wanting to own a salon, not necessarily maybe a hairdresser, they're looking more to own. Um, if you could distill it down to the most crucial bit of advice that you could give them, what, what would that be? Oh, golly. Um, mm. I, I, think, I, think, I think that you'd need to concentrate on the creativity, but concentrate on profit as well so passion and profit and keeping the balance the balance for your team is really important that it's not financially driven purely um mm. i think that um creativity is is what brings people into the industry um and money is a necessary evil obviously to to, to fund a lifestyle that people have become accustomed to and hairdressers are great for that they want their gucci shoes they want their gucci belt you know so money is necessary um so at the same time, you know, just try and be balanced um, 
with one eye on creativity, one eye on profit. That's that's probably my best best advice, I think, from that perspective. Fantastic. Did you think you finding that balance, was that a difficult process, a long process, or is that something that pretty early on you knew, like after visiting that London salon, do you think it was pretty early on? Yeah. I, I think that, you know, like I say, I watched my dad probably over customer focused. He never really ever put his charges up. He never put his prices up. Um, he'd work eight in the morning. He'd fit people in left, right and center. He'd work mm. really, really hard for probably not so much money. Um, but he was great with his customers and they came from all over the place to come and see him. Um, so the essence of what he had and the magic and the love that what he had was brilliant. Like I say, from my, my journey of being in London salons and being in more uh, business-focused salons, I, I kind of felt that that was good too because, you know, you've got to stick to a plan. You've got to have a business strategy to, to be able to succeed. Um, and it can't be it can't be left to passion alone. It's got mm. to be profit driven as well. But you've got to have that balance. And, and when I when I sort of like drew the, to the conclusion that it's about the both, um, I did think you know I did realise and, and we we did start to become a bit more successful. Um, but it is passion that drives the profit. It's not profit that drives the passion. I love that. That's if that's not on a t-shirt by the end of the year, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had a chance to speak to your dad about um, what his original like vision for the salon? Like, does he? Have you ever? Has he ever let you know like if he ever thought it would become this what it is today? Or he's immensely proud, my dad. I mean, Im- immensely proud, and I don't think he ever envisaged. I mean, he had high hopes for me. Mm. Uh, but I, I kind of, I kind of don't think that he ever imagined entering Salon of the Year or winning Salon of the Year, you know, at all. I, you know, I mean, finalists in L'Oreal Colour Trophy and all of that as well was was really, really brilliant um, to do. And he, he never imagined that happening. I mean, for him, you know, he was an Italian immigrant coming over here, and it was very much about providing for the family. So it was very much hand to mouth. So he saw every client. Um, and got paid for that. But, you know, times were hard for him when he was younger. Um, you know, he was telling me the, only the other day how um, he, he actually bought a restaurant off the back. So he'd work in the salon in the day yeah. and bought a restaurant and, and, and ran a restaurant, an Italian restaurant at night, which was just like unbelievable back in the I'm day. surprised you ever had the time to see you, Dad. Well, he, he was working literally eight in the morning and he'd come home at three in the morning. Oh, like, and he was working. And he only told me the other day that, um, literally Sunday when I, I met up with him, he said that um, the bank manager had told him to call it a day and to where he would have lost everything because the restaurant was good, but it was a massive drain on finances and they'd put everything into it. And he didn't listen to the advice and just managed to get out in time before they lost everything. But as children, we weren't even aware that that was no, happening. No, of course not, yeah. And, um, and I thought, you know, we were that close to... To losing stuff and I said to him I said I never want to be in that never want to be in that position but I admire him so much for, for going out there on a limb and really taking chances but you know getting out at the right time was was crucial as well mm. um, you know but uh, only literally four days ago did I know that um, and uh, and that was quite amazing but he's immensely proud of what what we do yeah I mean incredible 
Well, it's nice to see you just speaking to you. It's nice to see so clearly that you're clearly proud of him as well. Like it seems like a really cute is not the right word. I don't, I don't want to use that word, but it's, it's a very wholesome relationship and it's, it's great to see. And that clearly has bled into uh, the business that you provide and, and, and the teamwork because you don't have a whole team as successful as, as you are without that, like you say earlier, being a core value with the, yeah. the personability being absolutely paramount to the business. Yeah. So it's just fantastic to see. Well, thank you very much. And it is, and it is lovely. And we're incredibly lucky to have had that, um, I think, instilled in us from, a, from an early age. And like I say, it's mm. the lifeblood of the salon, really, is that, that focus on family and the focus on, on team is massive. Yeah. Well, before um, sort of, I, 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 I obviously, I, I, I'm loving talking to you. This is fantastic. But uh, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, you're a busy man and I, I, we're going to have to end it at some point. But before we do, um, if, you, if it's all right with you, I've got uh, basically sort of two questions that we run through every guest. Yeah. Um, that are, The first one being, it's a bit more of a philosophical, philosophical, and I can never say that right the first time. Okay. Um, I'm literally the son of a preacher man myself. Okay. And my dad is a, a minister and he has a great question that he, he, he asked me to ask every person because okay. it's a great one to get to know people. Um, and I think our, our listeners will uh, are, in, are enjoying not just the business side of, of, of listening to people's experiences, but also like humanizing that. Um, so here's the question. Okay. If there was one thing that you wish more people knew about you that don't currently, what would you like them to know? Oh, my word. There was one thing that people didn't know about me and I wanted them to know. Mm, he's pretty good at stumping people, is, is my dad. Mm, well, that is a, that is a stump. Um, okay, well, I, I'll, I'll tell you, something that I've never advertised but never said, um, but I'm immensely proud of and I never talk about because there was a reason for this um, back in the day. I never put it on social media, but I, I was asked to do Kate Middleton's hair. Um, Whoa. I know. And, and okay, I'm saying yeah, pretty cool. that we're within a, um, and uh, I had to go down to Portsmouth to look after her. Um, and, and I met William and Kate um, and we had mm. a cup of tea um, and we had a chat and um, we talked over hair and things like that because she was, had to attend an evening event having been on the sea for the America's Cup. Um, and I had to do very little for her in terms of hair. Yeah. But that's something that not a lot of people know. Um, in fact, it hardly anyone knows other than family and friends. So I'm sharing that with you, um, but I can't put it out there too much. It's only in the industry. <laughs> that I can talk <laughs> so share it on a podcast, why not? <laughs> I suppose, yeah. I, I, you know, it's, it's Industry got, podcast, though, to be fair to you. I've got, a, I've got a fantastic photo of us, and I haven't even put the photo up because I don't know why. There, there, was, a, there was a thing about secrecy, and obviously you don't think yeah. there are photos being put about, but... Um, you know, it was a, it was a few years ago now, so I kind of feel that it's okay. I guess you also want to, you want them to know you're treating them as human beings because they are, and you don't want to just like use them they, they for were like a fabulous. I can't tell you, and and I actually had the pleasure of meeting them again later on, and they remembered exactly who I was, and they remembered oh, fantastic everything about it, and it was like quite quite humbling really because of you know you think of the volume of people that they see. Um, mm, of course, yeah. Yeah, it was it was amazing. Um, so not particularly a, a philosophical or you know thing, but but actually I'll tell you one thing as well. Another another one thing. You're saying that you're the son mm. of a preacher man. There was a time, and I must have been about fifteen or sixteen years old, where I thought that I might do that. Be a oh, really? Yeah. 
Oh, what, what swayed you? <laughs> yeah. um, well, <laughs> there was obviously really, but no, it was only a, it was only a small, <laughs> it was only a small part of me that thought that I would do that. Um, and uh, but obviously, I was, you know, I, I feel as though I fell into the right career, and I feel though mm. I'm privileged to be in our industry, which is so incredible um, and been so incredible for us. Um, so yeah, it well, it wasn't, a, it was, I didn't think about it for long. Um, but it, it did crop up, um, and that, that's not something that a lot of people think about. I don't think. I think we've all had like one little odd, odd thing that we thought for a split second. Yeah. There was a period of time in my, I'm going to say sixth form, not yeah. career, but you know, education, where um, for just like for a year and a half, I was adamant I was going to be a geography teacher. Okay. Who, <laughs> what, like eighteen year old well, wants well, to be a geography inspired. teacher? Maybe you'd been inspired by a geography teacher. Or, I did or... have a pretty cool teacher. She was pretty cool. Um, it's it, it yeah. It was a bit of a, it's actually an odd one because she's she's gone into politics. She's um, she works with the the, of the local Labour Party, um, oh. and I've, I've become very interested and in trying to get involved in politics. So it's weird that she seems to have been there through my own whole life. Being an insect, it's a weird one. Anyway, I'll get sidetracked. This podcast yeah. is about me. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. Um, you know, I, I think that whatever you do, you just got to embrace all of that, um, all of those thoughts, all of those experiences, because they're what form you now. And, and I think mm. that, you know, when you look back over your career, I think what you really want to do is look back and be proud of what you've done and be proud of how you've behaved and how you've treated people. Um, and I'm saying that. Um, so that every day people think of that and think, oh, what do I want to be? What do I want to look back on? And it's really important to look back and think, yeah, I did the best that I could right there. And if you look back with any form of regret, then you've got that ability right now to change it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Every day you've got an ability to, to, to do something, to be something that you want to be. Um, and, you know, and I think that that's quite hard for people to see, um, you know. Yeah. In the moment, it's quite hard for people to see. But when you look back, you're going to think, yeah, I had plenty of opportunity to perhaps change things. And, uh, you know, I think that that's something that you don't want to look back with any regret. So live, for the, you know, live in the moment, and be in the moment and, you know, be the best you can be always. Final question for you then. Um, with hairdressing being such a, a creative thing, it can go wrong. So have you got like a, a, a horror story, it's like a silent horror story for us? Oh my God, I've got plenty. I've <laughs> <laughs> been here all day. Um, well, there, there, there have been so many occasions where, um, where, we've, where we've got, um, things have gone wrong. The usual stuff in the salon where, you mm. know, hair's too short, someone's complained, so the colour's gone wrong. Um, there's been plenty of that. I mean, there was one instance when I coloured someone's hair um, and I didn't realise until I was blow drying it after the whole service that I'd left the whole half of someone's head with the roots knocked down. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and it wouldn't have been so a bad. Bold new look. If you travel from Devon to get a hair done, that was the problem. Um, uh, so we yeah. went from Devon, got a hair done, um, and anyway, we obviously rectified it and got it right. But probably my my, my the time when I've had my heart in my mouth the most was I was actually asked to do a blow dry and, and put a tiara in for the state opening of parliament for a client of mine who who's a titled lady this was back in the mm -hmm. day when hereditary peers were allowed in the house of lords um, right. and i went to her flat in london and i uh 
had a, you know, we were chatting and doing all, blow dried her hair, lovely, got this vintage tiara out of uh, this suede, very expensive looking box. And it was a tarnished, mm. old looking tiara, but it was vintage and clearly very expensive. And as I was trying to fix it to a hair, bits of it were falling off in, in my hand. Oh, and uh, okay. literally, I could feel the sweat patches <laughs> forming. Uh, my, my, my heart was in my mouth and I thought, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And, and I have to say, I heart back to a, a college day when I was doing wig making when I was at college. Um, yeah. And it was a really boring class. No one wanted to do wig making. It was really boring. But the teacher was kind of a, a bit of a jack of all trades, really. And he was quite intricate. And he, he used to say, you can do anything with a hairpin. Um, you know, and, and I kind of remember this. And, and so I threaded a hairpin in and reattached some of these old jewels back to the thing. And, and to this day, she doesn't know that that happened. Um, <laughs> so they went back in they, no, they not accidentally back. slid into the pocket or anything this, you know thousands of pounds worth of tiara is a tarnished old hairpin of mine that <laughs> holding some of the jewels but uh, i thank my my teacher for that because mm. even you know, even in those lessons where you don't think you're learning anything you clearly do in a situation when you need it i guess he was right after all <laughs> He was, yeah, absolutely right. And uh, yeah, like I say, I'm very grateful for that because he got me out of a proper sticky patch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would not, I could not imagine having to deal with that myself. I don't do well under those stressful situations. Yeah, yeah. I just sort of sweat and melt. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pleased for you that you managed to escape. Well, yeah, fortunately, I, I managed to get out of it in one piece, but I was sweating for sure. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I mean, thank you so much, honestly, for, for taking the time to speak with us today. It's been... <laughs> thoroughly enjoyable where can people fight have you got an instagram that people can follow you on and see what you're yeah, getting yeah. The, the the gallery tw is mm -hmm. the south instagram uh, lorenzo tw is my personal instagram um linkedin lorenzo colangelo um and probably go through linkedin if anyone's interested in in chatting to me about any form of uh any form of consultancy or any mm -hmm. help I can offer um you know initial consultations and stuff like that free of charge you don't have to do you know what I mean i'm just happy to chat half an hour about your business and yeah. and offer any form of advice I can really um you know um I want to give back so I'm here and at anyone's disposal really this episode of Salon Stories was sponsored by hairdressingsupplieslinkedin.com it was edited by Josh Reist and produced by Alice Leonard don't forget to subscribe and please do give us a positive review as that really does help us out a lot. Uh, also, if you want to see a little bit of what goes on behind the scenes, follow us on Instagram. That's at Salon Stories Pod. Thank you ever so much for listening and we'll see you next time for the next Salon Story. Salon Story.